Welcome to Save Six Figures with Gina Knox, the podcast where I coach you on how to save $100,000 by optimizing your cash flow. Hello, savers, and welcome back to the podcast. We're going to spend a little bit of time today. So if you want to go on your walk, if you're in the car, if you're at home and you want to cuddle up with a cup of tea, let's settle in today because I have a lot to talk about. First of all, we just closed our first launch of the year of Six Figure Saver. We had 30 amazing new savers join us and they're all already jumping into the curriculum, getting started with the 10K and 30 day challenge. It's been amazing. Um, You know, I track my clients' wins. My clients submit their savings wins whenever they save money. And I'm loving seeing the names of the people who just joined within the last two weeks already submitting savings wins. In fact, I did a little bit of like digging and the people who joined, just the people who joined in the last two weeks have already submitted $53,683.86 of savings wins. These are just from people who joined in the last two weeks. So I am so excited to continue to see those wins grow and evolve. And I can't wait to really dive in with these new clients and get to know them better and coach them. So that's our updates for this first launch. I honestly cannot wait for the next launch. I already have so many ideas of what we're going to talk about. I'm going to be creating an entirely new masterclass for that launch. And I'm already starting to think about that. So I'm really excited. I feel like I learned so much this time around and I can't wait to reopen the doors again. Doors are going to open again for Six Figure Saver in June. So if you didn't join this launch, but you want to join in the future, keep your mind on June. That's when our doors are going to open. You're going to hear more about it as we get closer to the date. We'll definitely talk more about it in May as we come up to opening the cart, but June is when you can get in next. So get ready to join then. All right, my next announcement. My Wealth Mastermind, Seven Figure Wealth, is going to be opening up again for the first time this year in April. Now, some of you, if you've been around for a while, you may have remembered Seven Figure Retirement, which was the mastermind in its ulterior form. Ulterior, is that a word? In its former form (laughs) that we launched last year in October, Seven Figure Retirement has been going amazing. We are expanding it and that's why we are changing the name. It's going to be called Seven Figure Wealth because not only are we going to talk about retirement in Seven Figure Wealth, we're also going to be talking about building a seven figure wealth portfolio. What does your entire wealth portfolio look like. That may include retirement. We're going to be walking people through buying their first homes as entrepreneurs. And we're also going to be including curriculum around helping set up and fully fund your kid's college fund or their retirement as well. So I'm going to be talking so much more about all of these concepts in the coming weeks on the podcast but I wanted to let you know that the waitlist is going to be open. So in the show notes will be the link for the waitlist. We do not have our sales page ready yet. All of the details are going to be coming, but if you join the waitlist, you will be the first to know. So definitely join the waitlist at the link in the show notes. All right. Now, seven figure wealth 
really ties nicely into the topic that I wanted to talk to you guys about today, um, which is when I inherited $15,000 when I was 23. So let's talk about it. My parents and my grandparents set up what is called a 529 plan for me when I was born. A 529 plan is essentially a, it's an account where you can put money into it in your child's name, and then you can invest that money in the stock market and let it grow over time. And then when you go to spend that money, you don't get taxed on any of the gains that you built in the stock market. So it's a, it's basically, it's actually quite similar to an IRA or a 401k in that sense. You put money in, you let it grow. You don't get taxed on the money when you take it out. A 529 plan is specific for educational purposes. So you have to use it. There's like a list of approved expenses, but you have to use it at an accredited, um, upper education organization. Sometimes I think you have, you can do trade schools with it as well. There's different, there's all different types of rules around it. You can buy your books or materials with it. I think you can even spend some of that money on like housing while you're in school. Um, but you can take it out for educational purposes. And the cool thing about a 529 plan is if your kid decides not to go to college or not to use that money and for any reason, you can transfer that money to a different child's name, or you can transfer it to your name and use it for yourself if you want to go back and get a master's or a PhD or whatever. Um, So it's a really great way to grow money tax-free for education. Now, in Seven Figure Wealth, we're going to be talking about that if you have kids or if you plan on having kids in the future, or if you have nieces or nephews or other kids in your life who you want to support their educational journey with, we're going to be talking about how to set up and fully fund the children in your lives, 529 plans. So my parents had set one up for me and they fully funded it. I think there was over six figures in it by the time I went to school and, um, and I used it. That's how my parents paid for my college. I am so forever grateful that they had set up that money when I was so young because it had the opportunity to grow and when I was in college, they didn't have to pay for it out of pocket and I didn't have to take out any loans. So it was such a great tool. And, um, by the time I graduated, I graduated a little late. I think I was, um, 23 because I had started college a year late. By the time I had graduated, there was about $15,000 left in that fund. I think it was specifically in the fund that my grandparents had set up. There was some money left and I inherited it. They just decided to give it to me. And so all of a sudden, I'm 23. I have been, I just started working my first big girl job when I graduated. I was making about $3,000 a month after taxes. And all of a sudden, I get this bank transfer for $15,000. And $15,000 lands in my account, which is just nuts, right? Like... (laughs) As a 23-year-old, that's insane. And I had no idea what to do with it. And I was so freaked out by it. I was so freaked out. I was freaked out that I was going to make a mistake. I was freaked out that I was going to do something wrong. I had a little bit of credit card debt and I thought maybe I should just pay that off. and Or maybe I wanted to go on a trip and I don't know what to do with this money. And I felt very paralyzed. Now, if you're a scaling entrepreneur, you're going to experience the same thing. 
as your business grows, as your launch numbers get bigger, if you have a client pay in full five figures for the first time, you're gonna experience the same thing where you get this large chunk of money in your bank account. And you may have already experienced this and you're gonna feel like, what do I do with this money? Like, I, I don't know what to do with it. I feel unsafe and I feel like I'm gonna mess it up and I really don't wanna mess it up. And that can cause a lot of anxiety. So I remember being 23 and I literally Googled what to do with $10,000. <laughs> I think I had spent $5,000 on it, of it paying off my credit card and then maybe planning another trip, but I had 10,000 left and I was like, what to do with $10,000? And I found a couple Reddit posts about like invest it in a vending machine business or start a business. And I was like, well, what business would I start? It was just such generic advice because when you Google something ridiculous, like what to do with $10,000, there's infinite answers to that question, right? It wasn't a very good question that I asked Google. (laughs) So I got kind of bland answers and I just felt so stuck. And the reason why now in hindsight is because I had a low capacity to have money. When we talk about capacity to have, what that actually means is how much money can you have in a bank account at any given moment without feeling the need to do anything with it, without feeling the need to spend it, without even feeling the need to invest it, to pay off debt with it? How much money are you comfortable simply having? In seven-figure wealth, that is going to be a huge theme across the board because as we build our seven-figure wealth portfolios, we need to increase our capacity to just have more and more money without doing anything with it. And that's what I was coming up against when I inherited that $15,000 was I realized my capacity to have was probably at around $2,000. I felt like, okay, I could probably have $2,000 in my checking account and not feel freaked out by it. But anything above 5,000, I started to get, you know, I don't know, antsy with. So all of a sudden I hit this $15,000 number and I was like, whoa, (laughs) I really surpassed my capacity and I had to figure out what to do with it. And here's the really interesting thing. When you have a low capacity to have or a lower capacity to have than what's in your bank account, if you've surpassed your capacity ceiling, especially if it happens fast, like I was saying, you know, you get a painful client for the first time, or you just have the most insane launch that you weren't mentally prepared for, it's still exciting. It's still a good problem. But what's going to happen is when we surpass that capacity ceiling, we tend to try and get rid of the money. And this is a little bit of a self, uh, subconscious thing. We try to get rid of the money. We say, oh, let me pay off my debt with it. Oh, let me buy that thing with it. And regardless of whatever we use that money on, regardless of whether we like our reasons for what we bought or what we use that money for, subconsciously, you're trying to get your bank account back down underneath your capacity ceiling. So you go, okay. I don't, I don't need to worry about this $2,000. I feel good. So a huge part of wealth building is increasing your capacity ceiling one step at a time. Now, I'm really proud of that version of myself, that 23-year-old. She made the best decisions that she could at the time. 
if I were her now, I probably wouldn't have paid off the debt with it. And I probably, I probably still would have gone on the trip, to be honest. <laughs> that was a really good choice. But the other thing I'm really proud of is that she asked for help. I asked my dad, how, like, should I invest this money? How should I do it? And I remember sitting at his kitchen table and he sat down with me. I opened my computer. We opened a Vanguard, just a brokerage account, which is an investing account. And he showed me how to invest it in a mutual fund, in an index fund. And he was like, yeah, just do this, do this, do this. And it was really simple. So I put the $10,000 in there. I invested it. And then I kind of forgot about it for, I didn't forget about it, I would check up on it, but I wouldn't ever really think about it for many years. So at the time, my strategy for having a low capacity to simply have $10,000 in my account was to move it out of my account and into my investing account. And I lovingly call my clients who have lots and lots of bank accounts squirrels for this very reason. You are squirreling away your money into other accounts because you have low trust in yourself that you won't spend it, you know, unwisely or that you'll manage it bad. You don't have high enough self-trust that you can have that money without quote unquote messing it up. So you squirrel it away into another account and you hide money from yourself. Now, I, I honestly think that this is a really good strategy in the meantime but if you're a squirrel, it's not a long-term strategy. We also need to work on the self-trust along the way. And I think that's a big part of what capacity scaling is. It's all about pushing yourself to the next level of how much money you believe you can have. So how do we increase your capacity? How do we even go about doing that? There's a couple things we need to do. First, we need to identify where your current capacity ceiling even is. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to do a little bit of an experimental thing today. We're going to go through a bit of a guided meditation. I want you to close your eyes if you can. And I want you to imagine that you're logging into your bank account. You're opening the browser, you're putting in your credentials and you're logging in. And all of a sudden you see a thousand dollars in the account. When you see that thousand dollars in your mind, what do you feel in your body? Just notice how you feel. What thoughts come up? Are you afraid? Is it too low? Is it too high? Just notice how your body feels. And now what I want you to do is release those feelings, go up to the top of the browser and click refresh. We're gonna refresh the page and now all of a sudden, you see $5,000 in that account. Current balance, $5,000. Again, notice how you feel. What thoughts come up? What is your body saying to you? What thoughts are coming into your head? And then I want you to release those thoughts and again, come back up and refresh the page. Now we've refreshed the page and the current balance says $20,000. $20,000 at the $20,000 mark. How does your body react? What are you feeling? What thoughts are coming into your mind? Just take note of them. Now I want you to let all of that go 
and refresh the page again. This time when we refresh, we see our current balance is $50,000. Again, notice what emotion comes up, what thoughts flood your brain, what does that number mean? Is it good? Is it bad? Say goodbye to those thoughts and refresh the page again. This time, when you refresh the page, your current balance is going to say $100,000. One, zero, 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 zero. What is your bodily reaction to that number? What are you thinking about wanting to do with that? What thoughts are flooding into your brain? Take note. And then release them. And go and refresh the page again. And this time, your current balance is $200,000. What feelings come up? What thoughts are you thinking about that? What comes into your mind? Is that number good or bad? And then say goodbye to that as well. You're going to keep doing that visualization over and over until you hit your discomfort, until you hit your ceiling. You're just going to keep going. And maybe you haven't hit it yet with that little snippet. Maybe you could go further. Maybe you hit it way early on. That is the fastest way I've noticed to help my clients identify their current capacity ceiling. And it might shock you, right? It may not seem logical where your capacity ceiling currently is, but it just is where it is. I had a client who was making at the time $300,000 a year, who was so surprised to find that her capacity ceiling was $5,000. She started feeling uncomfortable during that exercise at the $5,000 mark. And it was it's not surprising to me because... At the time, she was really struggling with her cash flow and she was constantly overdrafting her bank account. So it's no surprise that her capacity was only sitting at about $5,000. And it was no surprise that money was leaving her account faster than it was coming in because she didn't have at that time the capacity to simply have more and more money. Now her capacity is way above $100,000. And she saved $100K. <laughs> so if you're in six figure saver, this also works for you. But specifically, as we think about growing into our seven-figure wealth portfolios, this is going to be a really big part of it. A really big part is pushing your capacity to simply have more money. So once you've identified your ceiling, we can do a couple things at once. First thing we can do is intentionally set a ceiling goal. So if your ceiling is currently sitting at $50,000 and you're feeling like, okay, anything above 50, I start to get spendy or I start to worry, or I start to think about the tax implication or any of that, we could set a goal of having 60,000. And what we would do is work on getting your account up to that number and intentionally looking at it and having it without taking any action. It's kind of like um, I'm having my clients in Six Figure Saver right now do bank balance neutrality where they log into their bank accounts every day, 
they kind of do what you just did with the visualization, but with real life, they log into their bank accounts, they look at the number, they feel the number, they log out and they don't take any action. So if we wanted to get your capacity up to 60,000, we would get your bank account up to that number and leave it there intentionally for a certain amount of time. Maybe until you felt like the desire to move it lessened. That's one strategy we could use. Another one we could use intentionally is squirreling. We could say, okay, you want to build a seven figure wealth portfolio. You want to buy a home and you want to have the retirement and you want to set up your kid's college fund. And maybe you want to buy fine art and you want to buy fine jewelry and other speculative investments. Maybe you want to start with crypto, whatever it is, we can intentionally squirrel away some money into other accounts to quote unquote, hide it from yourself, but we would do it in a way that supports your goals. So a really great way to squirrel money away from yourself while supporting your goals is to set up a retirement fund and put money there. Like whenever you have access, put money there. If retirement, if building a retirement fund is one of your goals, because it accomplishes the goal of retirement while also helping you manage your lower capacity to have in your checking account. So there's lots and lots of strategies that we can use to grow your capacity. And this is the work that we're going to do in seven figure wealth, according to what your goal is. I'm so, so excited to be launching this program. I'm so excited for the doors to open in April. So here's what's going to happen. More information is coming, I promise. But to give you a little bit of a timeline so you have it in your mind, April 21st is a Friday and our applications for Seven Figure Wealth will open on that day. On Monday, April 24th, all the way through May 5th, my calendar will be open for sales calls. So you'll submit an application, you'll then have a chance to book a sales call, we'll have our sales call, and then you will decide if it's a right fit for you. I'm going to have really generous hour long sales calls where we can just really have a conversation. What are your goals? What, how does the mastermind work? Is it a good fit? And we'll also have an opportunity to build out your six month wealth plan on that call. So we'll have a sense of what you're walking into for the next six months. We'll have a plan for the six months of the mastermind. Here's something else that's really fun that I'm excited to include. If you have a partner, whether you're married, whether you're not married, but you're in a committed relationship, if you have a partner who has decision-making power in the topics that we're going to be covering in Seven Figure Wealth, so for example, if you're planning on buying a house and using this program to help you get there, or if you're setting up retirement and your partner has a decision-making stake in that financial choice, then your partner is gonna be a part of Seven Figure Wealth with you. Now, of course, you don't need a partner to be a part of Seven Figure Wealth, but your partner is gonna be invited to join us on our sales call, and then they're also going to be onboarded into the program with you. They'll be onboarded into the Slack channel, they'll be joining us on our weekly coaching calls. This is gonna be huge, especially for the people, I already know, <laughs> it's gonna be huge for the people who have their goal of buying a house, because that is not a single person decision. <laughs> Straight up, that is not a single person decision. If you have a partner, because you're ideally going to be moving into the house, you have to figure out a budget. You have to figure out 
like a safety plan, a contingency plan. You both have to agree on a lot of things. And so we're going to be coaching both of you. This is going to be so great, especially for people I've already noticed in my community, like they'll be, you're an entrepreneur, but your spouse isn't, and they have a different money mindset from you. Maybe they're more risk adverse. Maybe they have a fixed income. Maybe they don't have, you know, all of this, like, I can just make more money, believe. (laughs) And maybe they don't feel safe with some of the financial risks that you're willing to take. So I think it's so important that both of you are there to get coached on it together. And I'm so, so excited for that. So, okay. Anyways, like I've said, we're going to be talking about so much in seven figure wealth. This is just the beginning. I hope this episode was helpful for you in any way. And I cannot wait to talk about this more. All right. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy.